powerful word of God. Can change lives. Change lives. Heal broken hearts. Heal broken hearts. Save man's soul. Save people's souls. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. Speak to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hug hug your neighbor. High five them. Pound them. Whatever you need. Don't pound them too hard. I'm looking at the fourth chapter of the the Gospel of Mark, starting in verse 35. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Mark 4, 35. I want to thank Harold and Cindy and the church for your hostility, I mean your hospitality. Um, It's been, yeah, it's been (laughs) any time, he says. Uh, it's been a great experience for us, and uh, I'm so thankful that uh, we're able to come here and share with you all. Uh, we've had a great seminar. Uh, it was a lot of fun for me, and uh, we had uh, some good questions and comments in the seminar, and I want to thank all of you who were there. Uh, appreciate that a lot. We're looking at the fourth chapter, and I just want to read a little bit here and uh, talk about Jesus' power today. Verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to the disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care? Wow. He didn't say that. He says, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Think about that a little bit. I got on a small boat on the Sea of Galilee like this and uh, went from Tiberias over to Cana of Galilee, which is toward the west. And while we were out there in that lake, the Sea of Galilee is pretty good size, a storm came up. And it poured down rain. And, of course, this boat was a little different from the other, the one that Jesus was on, because this boat had a covering. And so we stayed under that. But I I thought of this story. I said, maybe there's someone in the back of the boat that we can wake up, and maybe he can stop this. It's really interesting how he speaks to the wind and the waves. He uses a word that would be used for an animal. 
It actually says, be muzzled. And immediately, there was a great calm. And you could look out and see the other boats standing against their reflection in the water. Now, Jesus had power over nature, but that's not all the power he had. He also had power over darkness. Mark says that he was going through the city of Jericho one day, and there was a man there whose name was Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. And he was alongside the road, and he was blind. And he heard the commotion of all the people, and he turned to the people next to him and said, Who's that? What's that? What's going on? And they said, Well, it's Jesus of Nazareth passing by. And he stood up and threw off his outer garment and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they said, shh. You know, and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, even louder. And when Jesus heard him, he said, bring him here. And he brought him there and he said, now what do you want? And Bartimaeus said, I want to see, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus took him away from the crowd over to the side. And he spit on the ground. And he took the spittle and the dust and made clay and put it on his eyes. Sounds like Genesis chapter 2 where God takes the dust and breathes into it the breath of life and creates human beings. I think Jesus is creating new eyes for him. And he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And when he did, he came back seeing. Jesus even is able to heal people who are born blind. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the mark of the Messiah in the New Testament world was the ability to give sight to blind eyes. Nobody in the Old Testament ever did that. Elijah didn't do it. Elisha didn't do it. None of the prophets, Samuel, none of them was able to give sight to blind eyes. But when Jesus started his ministry, he quoted Isaiah 61. And he's reading the Hebrew scroll in the synagogue. And he says, the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to give sight to blind eyes. And he told the people, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And the people were amazed. Only Jesus could heal the blind. Power over darkness. He had power over disease. One time there were ten lepers who came to Jesus. And, of course, lepers in that part of the world, I don't know if you know about leprosy. Today it's called Hansen's disease. There's a colony in Louisiana of people who have leprosy who are being treated by a man named Dr. Paul Brand. Dr. Brand wrote a book entitled Fearfully and Wonderfully Made with the help of Phil Yancey. And in that book he describes people with leprosy. And he says, people with leprosy don't feel pain. That's what the problem is. They don't have pain. You know, we think, oh, that must be a blessing. Well, he told the story uh, of putting a key in a lock of his office and not being able to open it. And a little leper boy came up and said, 
let me try, doctor. And he took it and turned it and opened the door. And the doctor grabbed his hand and looked at it. He had cut himself on the key clear to the bone and didn't know it. That's the problem with leprosy. You can hurt yourself very badly. And in those days, there was no cure in the days of Jesus. In the Old Testament, there were only two people cured of leprosy. One of them was Moses, was uh, Moses' older sister, Miriam, because Moses prayed to God for her healing. The other one was the story of Naaman and Elisha, and you probably know that story, where he was told to dip in the River Jordan seven times. And when he did, the scripture says his flesh was as clean as a newborn baby. Well, here ten lepers come up to Jesus. And they're supposed to stand in the distance and cover their upper lip and shout, Unclean! So people stay away from them. And they come near to Jesus. And Jesus said, What do you want? And they said, We want to be healed. And he reached out his hand and touched them. And nobody touched lepers in those days. That's how it spread. But Jesus touched the lepers. Isaiah 53 says, He took our diseases upon Himself. And He told them to go wash and to show themselves to the priest, and they took off. And if you've read the book of Leviticus, you know a series of things that lepers have to do after they've been healed. Several uh, sacrifices to offer. Putting their thumb in the blood of the of the bird that they offer and several different things and they have many things to go through. Well, nine of them kept going but one of them saw that his flesh was clean and he turned around and came back and he thanked Jesus and he bowed before Jesus and thanked him and Jesus said, where are the other nine? Were not ten cleansed? But see, the other nine were all Jews, and they were going back to follow all these legal codes, and they forgot gratitude. But the man who came back was a Samaritan. I don't know if you know the power of that word, but the word Samaritan would have been an enemy of the Jews. But the only way a Samaritan could be with nine Jews is if they had leprosy. Otherwise, they have nothing to do with them. So power over disease. He had power over demons. One of the things we talked about during this seminar this weekend was the Gadarene demoniac, a place called Gadara on the west side north of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus got off a boat there, and they were in a graveyard. And out of the graveyard came a man running on all fours like a wolf and howling and screaming. And he said, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. He was filled with demons. And Jesus began to say, come out of him. And the demons were uh, rebellious and refused to obey. And finally Jesus said, what's your name? And they said, our name is Legion, for we are many. And Jesus said, come out. And they said, please don't send us out into the abyss. Please send us into that herd of pigs over there. There was a herd of several hundred swine on a hill. And Jesus said, all right, enter those pigs. His view, you know, the Jewish view of pigs uh, is about as low as you can go. 
Uh, I don't know what you know about pigs, but there have been studies made on their flesh that you can stack pigs four high and feed only the top one, and all of them do well. You understand what I'm saying? Pigs will eat anything, and they eat so fast that when they eat, parasites go out into their flesh. And so when people eat pork or ham and don't cook it well enough, parasites enter their bodies. And they've done studies on people to find this, and they've found parasites in people's brains and abdomen and uh, in their organs. And when they get certain parasites in the liver, they get cancer. Make sure you cook your pork if you eat it. Cook it very well. Cook it till it falls apart. Well, these pigs, Jewish attitude toward pigs is they're a dumping ground for demons. And Jesus dumped the demons into these pigs. And they went in to the pigs, and the pigs all ran. The whole herd ran down the slope into the sea and were drowned. And I told my students that this is the first case of deviled ham uh, in the Bible. And... Uh, and one of my students responded, well, it's also the first suicide, you know, suey pig. Anyway, a little humor there, uh, not much, but uh, a little bit. And so D Jesus was able to cast out demons. I uh, taught a young man named Alan Etter several years ago who had just become a Christian. His wife had left him. He was devastated. She had gone off with another man. Uh, he, he said it was either going to be suicide or God. And he ended up going to church and hearing the message about Jesus for the first time, and he believed it and was baptized. And Ron Key, the minister of the church, came to me and said, would you mind teaching Alan on Tuesday evenings? And I said, sure, I can do that. So I went over there. He had never read the Bible, didn't know anything different, didn't know the difference between the Old Testament and New Testament. Didn't know where anything was, didn't know anything about it. It was an incredible experience to go back and teach at that level. And I said, okay, why don't you read the Gospel of Mark and write down any questions you have about the Gospel of Mark? And so I came back the next week, and he had read the entire Gospel of Mark and had written down four legal sheets full of questions. And almost all of them were about demons because Mark is filled with demon activity. Jesus, wherever he went, the demons recognized him. They knew him, and they were terrified. And they said, have you come to destroy us before the time? Have you come to cast us away where we can't inhabit anyone? And Jesus even showed grace to demons by casting them into pigs. He could conquer the demons. He had power over darkness, over disease, over demons. He had power over sin. Once he was teaching in a house that was so crowded that nobody else could get in the doorway. And so some men who were carrying a paralytic on a litter went up on the hillside, up on the roof of the house. Many houses in those days were dug into the side of a hill. And they went up on the roof and removed part of the roof and lowered the man who was paralyzed down in front of Jesus. And Jesus looked at the man and said, Your faith is great. Your sins are forgiven. 
And the Jewish teachers who were there said, who does this guy think he is? Only God can forgive sins. Yes, only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he turned to them and said, to prove to you that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or take up your pallet and walk? And he turned to the guy and said, take up your pallet and walk. The guy jumped up, grabbed his little bed, rolled it up, and leaped through the audience and went out the door rejoicing. And all the people were amazed. He proved he had the power over sin. He also had the power over death. There was a woman who was going through the crowd, and she thought, if I can just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I can be healed. She had had an issue of blood from her body for 12 years, probably due to some sin she had committed, but it doesn't tell us. And she knew that she could be healed if she could just touch Jesus' garment. And Jesus is going along in a big crowd, and everybody's rubbing up against him, and all of a sudden Jesus stopped and said, Somebody touched me. I felt power go out from me. And he turned, and the woman came trembling in front of him. And she told him the whole story. Here's where she confessed to him. And he said, woman, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. He was on the way to the house of a 12-year-old girl who had died. Her, her daddy's name was Jairus. And Jairus was a Roman soldier, a centurion, had 100 men under him. And Jesus went to the man's house, and everybody said, she's dead. And they were all mourning downstairs. And Jesus said, no, she's only sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. And so he kicked them all out of the house. And he went upstairs with, his, with the girl's parents. And he took a hold of her hand. And in Aramaic, he said, Talitha kum, little girl, get up. And she sat up, and her eyes opened. And he delivered her to her parents and said, give her something to eat. And the fame of Jesus went out into the whole territory. He could raise the dead. Once he was entering a town called Nain, N-A-I-N, and out of the gates was coming a procession, and a woman was crying, and several other people were crying. And the procession was carrying a casket, a small casket. And Jesus went over and said, what's happened? And they said, the widow of Nain's son has died. It was her last living relative. And Jesus went over and put his hand on the casket, and they stopped, stood still. And he looked in the casket at the young man, and he took him by the hand and raised him up, and he was alive. And he delivered him to his mother. Can you imagine interrupting a funeral? Can you imagine? They've taken the casket somewhere, they're taking the body somewhere, and he interrupts it. Amazing. And then you know the, the other time he raised the dead. He got a note when he was on the other side of the Jordan. And the note said, the one you love is sick. It was a note from Martha and Mary, and Lazarus was sick. And Jesus read the note and stayed where he was for two days. 
I always wondered why he did that. Why didn't he jump up and go? He loved Lazarus. He loved Martha and Mary. They lived in Bethany on the other side. Bethany means house of figs. Uh, these people were wealthy people who raised and sold figs. And he had had dinner in their house several times. And Jesus loved them, but he stayed where he was for two days. I'll tell you what this teaches me, that when we pray, God is not a cosmic bellhop that just jumps up and comes running when we call. He has more to do than listen to our prayers, though he does listen. Their request was, please come and heal him. And Jesus stayed where he was for two days. And finally, he said, let's go back to Judea. And Thomas said, yeah, let's go back and die with him because they're trying to kill him up there. So Jesus goes back across the Jordan, comes to Bethany. And when he gets there, he's a way off from their house. Martha runs out to meet him. And when she sees him, she falls at his feet. And she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said, where is your sister? And she went back and got Mary. And Mary came out and knelt before Jesus and said the exact same words. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will never die. You hear that? Anyone who believes in me will never die. Our bodies may die. But our spirits will live on, just like Jesus. When he died on the cross, he says, Into your hands I commit my spirit. It's the spirit that lives on when the body dies. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And anyone who is dead and believes in me will live. And she said, Lord, I know that my brother will live in the resurrection and that's when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Where have you laid him? And they took Jesus to the tomb. And Lazarus was a wealthy man, so he had a cave for a tomb with a huge rock over the entrance. And Jesus comes and stands before the cave, and all the people around are crying. And Jesus begins to cry. Shortest verse in the English Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus, the people said, look how he loved him. If only he'd been here. Maybe he, the man who had healed the blind man, could, raise, could have raised him up off his sickbed. Jesus asked them to roll away the stone. And, and Martha and Mary said, but Lord, he's been in there four days. The stench will be terrible. Jesus said, did I not tell you if you believe you will see the glory of God? Roll away the stone. And they opened the tomb. And Jesus raised his eyes to heaven. And the way the Jews always prayed was like this, looking up to heaven. And he said, Father, I know that you've always heard me. But to the, because of these standing here, I pray that they may believe. And then he turned and shouted, Lazarus! What a name. 
Lazarus is Eliezer in Hebrew. It means God is my help. And he shouts, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out of the tomb all wrapped up for burial. Imagine, suddenly you open the tomb. There's a smell that fills the area. You know he's dead. And then Jesus calls him out. One, I heard one preacher say, what if he had just said, come out? He said, then the whole graveyard would have got up. <laughs> and that's going to happen one day. He will raise the dead. And here, he raised Lazarus. And the irony in the book of John is when he raises Lazarus, Lazarus comes out of the tomb alive, and Jesus goes into the tomb dead. But the story's not over. He even had power over his own death. He said, I lay my life down, and if I lay it down, I can take it up again. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord, and I will take it up again. And on the third day, the women, you know, I always, I love this story. It's always the women who see Jesus first. It's always the women who go to the empty tomb and don't understand. Nobody expected a resurrection from Jesus. Nobody. Even the guys on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus is walking with them and they don't recognize him, they say, we had hoped that this was the Messiah to save Israel. We had hope, but we don't hope anymore. Jesus began to teach them how the Messiah had to die from the Old Testament scriptures. How the Messiah had to die before he could enter his glory. And they entered a house together. They asked Jesus to come and eat with them and spend the night. And when Jesus was there, they still didn't recognize him until he took the bread and broke it and put the bread on the table and raised his hands to pray to God. And they saw the nail prints. And when they recognized him, he disappeared. He showed himself to be alive for 40 days. He appeared to over 500 people at once. He appeared only to the disciples and to the believers, except for one. He appeared to his younger half-brother, James because he didn't want his brothers and sisters to be lost. They were unbelievers. James, the only unbeliever that Jesus appeared to. And his whole family became believers as a result of that. Jesus had power over nature, had power over darkness, disease, demons, sin, and death. Don't you think he has power over your life? Won't you let him rule you as he ruled them? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power of your Son. We thank you that you reveal yourself to us in him. That he's the one who was the agent through whom you created the universe. That the Word was with God and the Word was God. 
And all things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being. And the word became flesh. And that he showed his power, power from you, Father. Power to bring life, power to overcome. And I pray, Father, whatever we're facing in our lives, we'll realize you have the power to overcome. I pray that you'll bring healing to those in this building who need it. That through the power of your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, you will heal. And I pray, Father, that our inner lives, that we will submit to you in our hearts. That will become people who love you. You're the source of our life. You're the source of everything. And I pray that one day for us, you will be all in all. That nothing else will matter but our faith in you. And when we come to die, Father, help us to remember the words... I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who lives and believes in me will never die. In Jesus' name, amen.